Oh, my friends, we are wrapping up our series here in the next couple of weeks of unusual characters. And the character that we're going to talk about today, you may have noticed um, their name did not come up in the scripture reading. And that is mostly because uh, we did not read the scripture in either Hebrew or Greek. I asked Abby if she would do it, and she said not today. So, um, But Koheleth is our character for this morning. We're going to talk about him here in a minute. Let us pray together, and we will study the word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. I, uh, I've been debating whether or not to, to share this with you. It's a pretty, pretty big event in the life of the Lee family. It happened back in January, January 15th, 2018 to be exact. So big that uh, most of our close friends don't even know that this happened to us. I, I didn't want to make a big deal of it with you back then, but it was a significant event for the Lee family. It was the day that Pretty came to live with us. I, I don't know what her life was like before she joined our family. When, when we found her, she was literally swimming in a sea of fried Twinkies and carnival rides and various and assorted livestock. I don't know how long she'd been at the Manatee County Fair or, or where life had taken her before that moment. Truthfully, between you and me, I don't even know that she is a she. But what I do know is that we paid $6 to win her freedom and I was more than fairly certain that, that her life with us would be extremely short. In fact, I, I wasn't even sure I should tell you guys that Sunday because I didn't know if she'd make it that long. Nonetheless, we, we brought her home wanting to make what was likely to be her last few hours on earth as comfortable as possible. Now, most people would just get themselves a round bowl and throw her right into it. But the Lees, we are not most people. We are not. No, Pretty, Pretty was going to live her very short life in the lap of luxury. And Sung went out to the gar garage, and he, he resurrected our old beta tank that had these bright blue rocks and a filter, and then there was the crown jewel itself, the plastic plant. And we felt confident. We felt confident that Pretty had never had it so good. Well, the next day, much to our shock and awe, when Pretty was still alive, we discovered that we were going to have to feed her. And that meant that we were going to have to purchase some food. So we went to Walmart, which houses all these kinds of things that you would need for, for such a visitor. And um, it was pretty obvious right away that we were going to have to make a choice about this. Do we, do we buy the small jar? Or do we fork over the extra dollar for the large jar? And, and so what do you do? Because you want to be optimistic, but you want to be realistic. How is, how is this going to go? So we ended up opting for the medium jar, that, that space right in between complete pessimism and total delusion. So much to my surprise, everything went swimmingly well, and, and Pretty was still alive by the following week. 
Now, by the time that two weeks had passed, there seemed to be a general consensus among the family that this could be a long term. I mean, we were talking like three month commitment here. And we decided we're, we're all in on, on this. Well, then winter turned to spring, and, and Pretty spent her day doing extraordinary things like swimming to the top of the tank, the bottom of the tank, and to the left, and to the right. I mean, all those things that, that you would expect of her. But then June came, as it does every year, and one morning, Anna and I, the only two remaining members of the family that still realized that she was still alive, went to the tank and discovered, you know, you know how this is going to go. She was on the side and up at the top, just floating around. And, and I steeled myself, steeled myself to inform the remaining three members of our family who had most recently noticed her existence the previous March, that she had passed on to glory. And, and as I was about to do this, Anna noticed something. There was this little movement of her gills. And now I thought, man, can I be the one to end her life? And the answer is no. So we moved into hospice care pretty quick. Pretty went into a Tupperware container and not, not like the nice Tupperware, but like the disposable kind that you get, because we were, we were preparing for this inevitable end, and then we went and we cleaned out the, the penthouse fish tank that we had. We were going to move her back in. Lo and behold, two hours in the Tupperware bowl, resurrection. <laughs> she was swimming around as this fish had ever been in recent memory, which for her was about three seconds ago. Now pretty, the Manatee County Fair goldfish permanently lives in the Tupperware bowl in our kitchen because every time that we have tried to move her back into her super sweet penthouse, we wake up the next morning and she's on the side. So <clears throat> that goldfish is still with us. Although one day, one day, and you know this, let's just be honest with each other, one day she will go the way of all goldfish, fair or store-bought, to the great goldfish heaven in the sky, probably via the sewage pipes that run through our bathroom. Friends, this is just how it is. This is just how life works. Now, I know, I know what so many of you are sitting there thinking, Pastor Hope, that that was one of the most gripping stories that you have ever told in the history of this church because there were tears and laughter and life and, and death and resurrection from not real loss. That, that story had it all uh, until the very end where you had to point out that, that one day the fish is really going to die. That's, that's kind of a bummer for this early on a Sunday morning. I mean, do we really need to come to church to hear that kind of thing. And yet, you know this to be true, and I know this to, to be true. There is a beginning, and one day, one day, apparently much longer than Sung and I anticipated, there will be an end. And sometimes, sometimes we preacher types have to speak about hard things. That's the role of our unusual character this morning. Koheleth is the author of the book of Ecclesiastes. The Greek rendering of the Hebrew name 
that, that you see here, it's translated teacher in, in our scripture, but it actually translates as preacher. Koheleth is the preacher of Ecclesiastes. So when you start into Ecclesiastes, you're immediately struck in this first chapter by the sense of disillusion and, and skepticism and maybe even this tinge of, of hopelessness. Let me read it for you again. See if you hear what I'm talking about. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of all vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. That gets you going on a Sunday morning, right? What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down, hurries to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and then it goes around to the north. And round and round goes the wind on its circuits, the wind returns. All the streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. There they continue to flow. All things are wearisome, more than one can express. That's uplifting. The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. The people of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who come after them. All right. Wow. So what do you get from all of your work? Generations, they're going to come, they're going to go. You're never going to find satisfaction. There's nothing new under the sun. And bonus, soon you will be forgotten. That's awful. Who thought this was something that we needed to put in Scripture? I mean, Scripture is supposed to be the feel-good book of the world, right? That's what it's known for. Who, who let this slip in there? And yet, it's all of these, these questions, these thoughts that make this such an important book and Koheleth such an, an interesting person. Because the topics in Ecclesiastes are topics that, if you really just want to get honest with one another, are topics that people inside and outside of the church wrestle with every single day. If all is vanity, then what is truly important? If generations come and go, what are we doing here? And do we even matter? Life can get wearisome. We can get tired of, of battling illnesses and our friends pass away. We can only handle so much bad news before the whole thing just seems utterly pointless. Now, friends, these are serious issues of faith that, that many people, many people, especially church folks, are really hesitant to talk about. Because sometimes to, to even have these thoughts or, or these questions have been interpreted by really horrible pastors as having a lack of faith. Koheleth is preaching about things that real people, people like you and me, who live real lives, actually struggle with on a regular basis. If you think about preaching, one of the keys to good preaching is to help people enter the text and to see those ways 
that their lives intersect with the scripture. That's my job. That's what, that's what I'm supposed to be doing with you on Sunday mornings, giving you ways to look at ancient words and seeing how those ancient words speak into your current life. So in the time of Ecclesiastes and in 2018, there are millions of people. There are people in this room, don't tell anybody, who are looking for meaning and purpose in their lives. And the way that Ecclesiastes starts to grab your attention is by saying out loud so many of those things that many of us, we're just not going to say. We're not going to let people know that we have questions or concerns or doubts. So Ecclesiastes, the good preacher, just puts them all out there and says, hey, these are things that people are thinking about. The first chapter in Ecclesiastes is trying to help us understand that that there's nothing that we're going to do in this life apart from God that is going to give us that significance and that purpose that each one of us is seeking. The question, what do people gain from all of their toil under the sun? That's a good question. What, what are you working for? Why, why bother? And, and of course, I think most of us are going to end up with an answer that, that I would call a first-level answer. Well, gosh, Pastor Hope, I work to pay bills. I work to provide for my family. I work so that we can have a nice life. And, and all of those things, they're all acceptable answers, but do any of them speak to your purpose in life? I mean, is it, is it really your purpose to pay the electrical bill on time so that your kids can charge their cell phone? That, that seems like a really pathetic purpose in life, doesn't it? So to give you some perspective, I want you to think about little ones, and we've got some wonderful little ones in our church. Think about those one- and two-year-olds. And think about how we adults, when, when they get ready for their first Christmas, their first birthday, we make such a big deal out of it, right? And we go out, we get them all these presents and, and all this wonderful stuff. And without fail, what do these kids love most? The wrapping paper and the box. So you're working, you're toiling to buy these gifts that the kids don't care about. So that seems like a pretty fruitless endeavor. Now, but then there's a second level answer to this question, what are you working for? And this is the level where, where those who are like, I'm not going to say I work to pay the bills, they're going to say, well, I, I work so that I can change the world. That's also a really solid answer. Teachers want to change the world. If you teach a child to read, you open up a world of possibilities for them. Hopefully, hopefully they'll remember that hopefully. So teaching is a good thing. Here's a better thing. God already changed the world, and there's far too many people inside and outside of the church that simply don't believe it or have never heard that. In the Westminster Shorter Catechism, how many of you remember what the Westminster Shorter Catechism is? I'm, I was counting on generationally some of you older folks may have known. All right, the Westminster Shorter Catechism is a confession of faith. It is a, it is a part of the faith tradition of which we come from. And the catechism by nature is a list of questions and answers. And so when I was going through confirmation as a child, we had to know all of these questions and all of these answers. The very first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is this. What is the chief 
ends of man. What, what is our purpose? What are we doing here? And the answer, the answer to that question is so simple. The answer to what is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, I want you to think about that. Those of you who are working, who are retired, who are still in school, the next time you get up in the morning and somebody says to you, hey, what are you going to do today? Let me know if you respond by saying, well, today I am going to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I'm guessing most of you have never said that. I'm guessing that that most of us get up and we're like, well, I'm going to go to the grocery store, I'm going to take the kids to school, and I'm going to go to work, and then I'm going to work some more, and I'm going to pick the kids up, and we're going to have dinner, we're going to go to bed. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. What would happen if you got up each day and said, that's what I'm going to do today? I mean, you're still going to do all those other things, but, but what would happen if your purpose on this day was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. A couple of years ago, I'm picking up my kids from school, and it was one of those very rare occasions where I'm not going through the the car line. So I've got the kids, I've got got one in each hand, walking back across the parking lot, and I got stopped by the phys ed teacher. And so he and I are chatting for, for a while. We're talking about kids and school, and finally I said to him, so what's new with you? And for the first time in this conversation, his whole face, his whole face lights up and he says, well, I'm doing my best. I am doing my best to give them Christ. You show up every day and you show them the love of Christ and it changes things, you know? Now, I'm sure, I have, I have no doubt, I've known this teacher for a long time, I am sure that he shows his students the love of Christ. No doubt about that. But in this conversation, he was talking about his witness to his fellow teachers at the school. He's been teaching forever. He's been teaching in the same school forever, and he is absolutely convicted that his purpose is not to teach kickball. It is not to teach kids how to run track. It is to teach teachers how much God loves them and how precious they are to God, because he knows something. He knows that he is coming up on retirement, And when that happens, as it does for so many of us, our identity changes, right? We feel that loss of who are we? Well, he already knows. He already knows that his purpose is far greater than dodgeball and rope climbs. He's got that. So let me ask you, are you living your life as someone who enjoys Christ? as someone who glorifies God, has so very little to do with your profession and everything to do with your purpose. What's significant about Koheleth, the the preacher, Ecclesiastes, is that it gives you opportunities to gain wisdom. And wisdom is not simply knowing things because you're going to meet a lot of people in life who know a lot of things. But wisdom is the ability to think deeply about things, to wrestle with those hard things that come up. And and church, we need to wrestle. We don't grow without wrestling. To challenge yourself again and again and again, to realign yourself with a meaning and a purpose that comes from God alone. And all through the book of Ecclesiastes, you're going to find guidance about how to do this. 
You're going to find skills that are going to be useful for your life, useful for your profession. But what I hope you discover is that the preacher is saying out loud all kinds of things that most of us try really hard to bury in our hearts. Ecclesiastes isn't the easiest to read because it gets really close to the heart really, really fast. And if you only read part of it, which, which most of us only do, right? To everything there is a season, we know that. If you only read part of it, then you are very likely to fall into that pit of despair because you're not going to see the part where we talk about our identity and our purpose and our meaning in Jesus Christ. But if you read it with eyes and mind and heart wide open, you're going to discover that God has called you. God has called you to more than a job, more than just a family, more than just a church. He's called you to himself, given you life through the power of the Holy Spirit and given you a purpose through the cross of Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, that is going to be the message of any great preacher. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we, we confess that sometimes we struggle with our meaning and our purpose. Why are we here? What are we, what are we doing? So help us. Help us, we pray, as we look in the scriptures, as we study your word, to understand that we were created for so much more than just a profession, just a family, even just a church. We were created to be yours, to love you, to glorify you forever, and to enjoy you. Help us to be the kind of followers of Christ who get up in the morning and decide that what we're going to do this day, no matter where we are, we're going to glorify you and enjoy you forever. In your name we pray. Amen.